As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Wendy. And it's Jess. And you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast. Your online resource for delicious and nutritious living. Hey everyone, Wendy here. And for today's episode, we'll be talking about PCOS, aka polycystic ovarian syndrome, with our very special guest, Angela Grassi. Angela is an internationally known nutrition expert on PCOS and was named one of the top 10 incredible RDs making a difference by today's dietitian. Having PCOS herself, Angela has experienced many of the challenges that come with having PCOS and has dedicated her career to helping women with PCOS improve their health through evidence-based nutrition. She's also the founder of the PCOS Nutrition Center and has written several books, including the best-selling PCOS workbook. So without further ado, we'll get started with our chat. Angela, thank you so much for joining us. For our listeners who aren't sure what PCOS is, can you provide us with some insight into the condition? Sure. So PCOS stands for polycystic ovary syndrome, and it affects anywhere from um, 10 to 18% of women of childbearing age, depending on what kind of criteria is being used for the prevalence. Um, But it's very common. So at least one out of 10 women have this. And it's always been seen as a reproductive disorder. So a lot of times women will go to their doctors because they're not getting their periods anymore. And they're confused about that. And so it's always been viewed as like an ovary issue because sometimes there are these little follicles which are mistakenly called cysts. They're actually not cysts at all. They're little follicles of um, eggs that never matured or got released from the ovaries and they just hang out on the ovaries and that's what's kind of gave it its name polycystic ovary syndrome so we see that women with PCOS do have a hard time getting pregnant but we know now that PCOS is also an endocrine disorder and there's a lot of metabolic consequences if it's not managed that can happen later in life Are there any proven causes for PCOS or risk factors that should be taken into consideration? Yeah, so they're not sure exactly still what causes PCOS. There have been some genes that have been identified, so they definitely think there is a genetic component. We see that PCOS tends to run more in families, so daughters of mothers who have it, or if if you have it, you're more likely if you have a sister, she's going to have it as well. Um, But then there's always women who say, nobody in my family has this. And sometimes families don't talk about it or they're wondering if perhaps um, a variant of like a diabetes gene is being passed down and that's showing um, up in women with PCOS as well. There is some um, evidence to suggest that maybe the environment, like eating a high carb diet, less exercise, that that can contribute to PCOS as well. So some risk factors for a woman who has PCOS is if she has the central body weight. Um, Signs and symptoms of PCOS are gonna be the irregular absent periods. 
although women with PCOS still can have their periods, so there are a, there is a small percentage of women with PCOS who get monthly menstrual cycles, which can make it hard to diagnose because if they go to their doctor and if the doctor doesn't know much about PCOS, they can say, well, you're getting regular cycles, so that means you can't have it. So that's a big myth. And then we see a lot of dermatological consequences. So we see acne is a problem. So you have women even in their 40s, even into their 50s that say, I'm still having acne. You know, I'm not a teenager anymore. Why am I still having acne? And the acne can be on the face, but it can also be on the chest or on the back. We see that women with PCOS tend to produce high levels of testosterone. So what that can cause is the more acne, but it can also cause a lot of extra hair growth, like male um, hair growth, especially in the central part of the body. So women with PCOS might have some extra hair on their face, on between their breasts, their belly button area, and inner groin area. And then it also can cause some hair loss, so like male pattern baldness or alopecia, that um, the hair will thin and sometimes even develop clots or um, like sparse areas in the in the head. For people who aren't sure what central body weight is, can you clarify that? Yeah, an easy way to know what that is is just extra weight around the midsection of the body. A lot of women with PCOS develop an extra roll. I've actually had a client who named her roll. She called it Maurice. <laughs> uh, she made light of it. But it's like an extra inner tube right above the belly button area. And that's classic of insulin resistance. Okay, so you mentioned body hair, hair thinning, and acne. Are there any other signs that women should look out for if they suspect that they have PCOS? Well, definitely the trouble um, getting pregnant and then difficulty losing weight or gaining weight. So a lot of times I'll have women in my office saying that they gain like 30, 40 pounds in just a couple short months out of the blue, like nothing changed. They just kind of blew up. And that is characteristic of the higher insulin levels. All right. So let's say some of our listeners identify with a few of the signs and symptoms that you've mentioned and suspect they have PCOS. So they visit their physician. How is the condition diagnosed? Sure. Right now, uh, the diagnostic criteria for polycystic ovary syndrome is kind of an agreed upon criteria because there's still so much we don't know about PCOS. But a bunch of top researchers got together and they decided that to diagnose PCOS, you must have at least two of the following three criteria. And the first is what's called oleo or anovulation. And basically, that's eight or fewer menstrual cycles in a year. So if a woman um, gets a period every couple of months or doesn't get a period at all, that's one of the criteria they're looking for. The second criteria would be if they have clinical or biochemical signs of hyperandrogenism. So androgens are uh, male hormones like testosterone. And when you have too much of those, you can actually do blood tests and they can be looking for um, those androgens, like a high testosterone level or a high what's called DHEA sulfate. And that's the precursor to testosterone. So they can test for that to see if it's high. A problem with that is that it's not a very sensitive test. So um, it's not as reliable as we would hope it is for at least for total testosterone. So we also consider biochemical signs of the high androgens, and that includes the acne, the extra hair growth, and the hair loss. And then the third criteria is if they have what's called polycystic ovaries. So that would be if they have what's 
little bit of follicles that surround the ovaries. They classically call that like a string of pearls because it looks like that on an ultrasound. So if a woman has at least two of those three criteria, then uh, she typically is diagnosed with PCOS, but it's important to rule out any other conditions that might say be causing someone to have too much androgens, like a pituitary tumor or um, a different kind of uh, condition that could have similar signs and symptoms of PCOS. So it's really a diagnosis of exclusion. Should women go to their regular physician for a diagnosis, or is it best if they see a specialist? If they suspect that they might have this, if they've read up about it and they're listening to this and it sounds like them and explains a lot, I actually recommend patients go to what's called a reproductive endocrinologist. And these are the fertility specialists but they also specialize in sex hormones. And a lot of times they'll have ultrasounds right in their office. You don't have to do another step of going to get the ultrasound and they can help to manage your PCOS. So now we're gonna get into my favorite part, nutrition and lifestyle. There is so much conflicting information on the internet about you know, special diets for conditions like PCOS. Um, and I'm sure for a lot of people, it can be very confusing. So are there any special dietary guidelines that women that have been diagnosed with PCOS should follow? Yeah, so it is so confusing out there because there's so much um, for nutrition for PCOS, but unfortunately, much of it is not very reliable. A lot of times it's women who have PCOS themselves. They've made some changes to their diet, whether they cut out gluten or they cut out soy or dairy, and they saw an improvement. So they, you know, promote that, that if you eat like me, you'll look like me, or um, you'll be able to get a baby like I did. But uh, there's not a lot of evidence-based information out there. And what we know is that diet and lifestyle changes are the primary treatment approach for women with PCOS, that even above medications and other options, that it's still the focusing on your diet and changing like how you exercise, how you sleep, and how you manage stress is just so important. And PCOS is really a condition of inflammation. So we see when women with PCOS have high levels of insulin, they also have what's called low-grade inflammation. And so what's really important is to include antioxidant-rich foods. And these are whole foods. These are fruits. These are vegetables. These are whole grains and healthy fats that can actually help to decrease the inflammation. We see even incorporating foods like fish and green tea and olive oil. These are all really good foods, avocados, seeds. Um, focusing on slow carbs, so foods that don't spike up your insulin, because again, women with PCOS are producing too much insulin, and so you don't want to contribute to producing even more with the food. So what we find is really refined carbs like pasta, um, white rice, cereals, breads, baked goods, those are all very refined So what happens is they enter the bloodstream right away, and that gives a big surge in the insulin. And so that's what we don't want. So we want to have more of the slow carbs. So that would be more like brown rice or quinoa, um, sprouted grain bread or sourdough bread. We're looking more at oats. And again, those fruits and vegetables uh, that contain a lot of the antioxidants and nutrients that can bring down insulin. Great. So... 
What it sounds like is that women with PCOS can benefit from a plant-based diet whether or not they choose to include animal products, right? Exactly, exactly. And um, if anyone needs help, we I do have a cookbook. It's from the PCOS Nutrition Center cookbook. And it's 100 easy and delicious whole food recipes to help beat PCOS. And we put it together in a whole four-week meal plan. So it's really easy to follow. And the recipes are quick and easy and whole foods. And for each recipe, the nutrition information is provided. Great. Yeah, we'll make sure we include links to all of that in the show description. Um, and so in one of your books, A Dietitian's Guide to PCOS, you touched on dairy and gluten. And so I wanted to ask, do you think it's helpful for women with PCOS to eliminate dairy and gluten? Or does it more so vary depending on the person? Yeah, definitely with any diet changes, we do personalize it based on uh, the client's needs. So when we do individual nutrition coaching at the PCOS Nutrition Center, we actually request that the patient send us her blood work. And that's going to help to determine what kind of changes she might need to make in her diet that's going to be better for her. And we look at a whole, we do a whole nutrition assessment. So we'll look at her signs and symptoms of the PCOS, her lifestyle, Um, But as far as dairy, so dairy we know, um, in particular, what we're finding is that the fat-free dairy, so if we're looking at skim milk, fat-free milk, or um, fat-free yogurts, things like that, when we remove the fat out of the milk, we are left with higher androgens in the milk. And that can actually affect a woman's hormone composition. So what we recommend is um, if you do have dairy, make sure it's whole, whole fat or full fat and keep it to just a couple servings a day, um, maybe under two servings. Now, some women with PCOS cannot tolerate dairy at all because it contributes to acne for them. Um, so it's really individualized. If you do have acne, you could try eliminating dairy for a couple weeks and see if it gets better. Um, But some women can tolerate moderate amounts of dairy, Uh, but it's important to get that full fat in. And then as far as gluten, gluten, there's no evidence at all to suggest that a gluten-free diet is best for PCOS or that gluten's going to contribute to worsening a PCOS. But we do see that uh, quite a bit of women are what's called gluten intolerant or gluten sensitive, and they can't properly digest gluten. And that contributes to inflammation for them and doesn't make them feel good. Um, So a lot of women, for example, who have joint pain or a lot of fatigue, um, women with hypothyroid might benefit from doing more of a gluten-free approach. And again, the only way to know if it's going to work for you is to try it for a significant period of time. So I recommend at least six weeks to cut out the gluten to see if you're feeling better. A lot of women who do have a gluten uh, sensitivity and have the joint pain in particular, they might see an immediate relief um, within a week. So then, you know, those are red flags to know that you're not processing gluten properly. And then maybe it would be better to eliminate those sources. Yes, especially with dairy. There's such a big push to consume low-fat dairy products. So it's interesting that for women with PCOS, it might actually be counterproductive. Um, So when it comes to physical activity, which is another lifestyle component, are there any types of exercise that are more effective than others when managing PCOS? Are there guidelines for how much women should exercise? Sure. So exercise is one of the primary treatment approaches for PCOS. And what we know is what 
happens when women with PCOS exercise, they don't need as much insulin. So the muscle cells are going to use the glucose very efficiently. Um, so it's great at bringing down insulin levels. And what we're finding is that doing some resistance training and working the muscles, so doing some weightlifting, doing some exercises that you're using the body more, like playing tennis, that's all resistance, um, that can really help the body to bring down the insulin. A lot of times women with PCOS stay away from the weights because they're like, I'm just going to get bigger or bulkier, but really that's what's going to help to bring down the insulin. Cardio is important too, but it's really important to get at least two days in a week of the resistance training. And we also see that doing exercises like yoga, there is some, a couple studies that show that yoga can reduce that stress hormone cortisol and can reduce insulin levels as well as testosterone in women with PCOS. So it's, it's a combination of doing a little bit of everything. And with supplements, because you touch on that in the book as well. Are there any go-tos that you recommend, or should that also be individualized depending on signs and symptoms? Yeah, again, I individualize everything for women with PCOS, but there are four that we have really good evidence for that can show it they can benefit women with PCOS. So, for example, vitamin D. Vitamin D is a vitamin, but it's also a hormone. And we see all these vitamin D receptors on the cells including um, the oocyte, so the eggs that develop in order to get fertilized. So women who are struggling with infertility, they should definitely be taking a good dose of vitamin D and having their vitamin D levels checked. We want at least levels to be over 35, but some suggest that levels should be closer to 50 for optimal ranges. So that can really help women um, to improve egg quality, taking vitamin D as well as ovulation. And there are even links with vitamin D with insulin sensitivity, um, insulin resistance, and even mood. Um, so important to, to get those vitamin D levels in good ranges. Another supplement I recommend is NAC. NAC stands, stands for N-acetylcysteine. And this is a powerful antioxidant. It's also an amino acid, and it's involved in um, oxidative stress and lowering inflammation. There's been several studies that actually have compared NAC to metformin, which is a common diabetes medication used to treat um, women with PCOS, even though it's still not indicated to treat um, PCOS, but it's still used to bring down the insulin. And they compared NAC with metformin, and the NAC worked equally as well to the metformin as far as improving insulin and um, other aspects. So it is worthwhile to you know talk to your healthcare professional about these supplements. We another one that's one of my favorites is inositol. So inositol is very well studied in women with PCOS. If you do a search in the medical search engine PubMed. So you can go to pubmed.com and you can type in inositol and PCOS, and there's at least 80 studies there that show favorable effects of inositol. So inositol is a pseudovitamin, and it works kind of like a vitamin, um, but not as much. It's a relative of the B vitamins, and it's been shown to help improve insulin sensitivity, so it can help bring down insulin. And it has really been shown to help improve egg quality as well as ovulation. 
So a lot of women who aren't getting their periods, they start taking inositol and they start to get a regular period in a couple of months. And one of the reasons for that is because they think that women with PCOS have a defect in their ability to use myo-inositol and dechiro-inositol. So these are two important um, inositols that the body has a ratio of a 40 to 1 ratio. So we have myo to dechiro in a 40 to 1 ratio in all our tissues. In the ovaries, actually, it looks like it's much higher. That might be even 100 to 1. And that there's a problem in converting it. So the body is converting myo into dechiro at a really fast rate. And it's depleting levels of myo inositol. And it's the myo in particular that we see can really help with the A quality in ovulation and can really help with um, reducing insulin. So women who supplement with a combination of myo to dechiro in a 40 to 1 ratio, and we recommend ovocetol, um, which is a great product. It's a powder you just mix into water and you don't taste it. You can mix it into iced tea or coffee, um, but that it helps to regulate their cycles and bring down their insulin levels. And a lot of women who take it also say it helps with cravings. And that's a big issue that a lot of women with PCOS struggle with is that they have these intense cravings for sweets and carbs. And that's a lot to do with insulin because insulin is an appetite stimulant. So when you can get this insulin down, and inositol works differently than metformin, um, so you can take it with metformin, but it just helps to curb those cravings so you can make better food choices in the moment. So inositol is definitely um, a go-to that I would recommend for really any woman, whether they're trying to get pregnant or want to reduce their insulin levels. And then finally, fish oil is so important. Um, it helps with every aspect of PCOS, whether it's helping to improve mood or skin and nails, but it's important because it brings down inflammation and it can bring down triglycerides if you have fatty liver. Um, it can help with that. And it's certainly important for pregnancy. So fish oil is definitely um, an essential uh, nutrient for women with PCOS. Okay, so you mentioned supplements, yoga, physical activity, nutrition. Uh, what are other complementary treatments that women can do to help manage their PCOS? Sure, so again, yoga really effective at bringing down that stress hormone cortisol and helping to improve insulin and restore hormone balance. But we also see acupuncture could be really good to help with ovulation and to regulate cycles and for hormone balance. And um, certainly mindfulness practice, you know, being present in the moment, um, doing some meditation can all be great complementary treatments. With the acupuncture, are there a certain amount of sessions that have proven to be effective? Uh, Jess and I, we've both done acupuncture, and I know consistency is something that's always emphasized. So do you have any information on that? Yeah, I think especially for fertility, consistency is key. And at the beginning, they might start off with weekly and then go to every other week and then taper to like once a month. But regular treatments definitely, I think, can make the best improvements. (laughs) 
Angela, thank you so very much for sharing all of your knowledge with us. I've learned so much through your books and have learned so much more today. Um, where can people learn about your work, your books, and all the great things that you're doing? Sure. So they can definitely visit the PCOS Nutrition Center. It's PCOSNutrition.com. So really easy to remember. We have tons of articles and reliable, objective information for nutrition for PCOS. So we will provide the studies at the end of um, the article so you can see that it's backed up by research. And we have several books for women with PCOS. As I mentioned, we have a cookbook. We also have the PCOS workbook. And that has actually been proven to reduce anxiety and depression and problematic eating in women with PCOS. A lot of women with PCOS do struggle with mood disorders and even eating disorders. Um, so there's a lot of great information as well as the supplements I talked about are available at the PCOS Nutrition Center as well. All right, everyone, make sure you check out Angela at PCOSNutrition.com. And we'll make sure we include links to everything in the show description. And again, Angela, thank you so much for chatting with us. My pleasure. 